Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. You know, in 2009, I knew I wasn't in the right place. I tried to make myself fit in. Since I've always felt like a square peg in a round hole for most of my life, this was not a new sensation. But something was different. I was looking for a sign or an opportunity or someone to tell me that it was time to move along, but no message was coming through. However, an email ended up in my inbox. It was the kind of email that you usually delete because it was so long and it was from someone you didn't know and why waste your time wasting your time? But for some reason, I did read it and it was about a conference that was going to take place in a few weeks in Maryland. And I called my sister-in-law and told her about it and we decided to meet in Maryland in in the conference and go and see what it was all about. And if it wasn't anything we wanted to hear, we would just spend the weekend together and catch up. She lived in New Jersey and I lived in Texas. So we met there and something happened. The woman on the stage was speaking directly to me. She was saying things I had only said to myself. She was the voice, the message, and the opportunity to do something. And I did. The name of the conference was Get Radical. The Monday I went back to my office, I handed in my resignation and I finally took control of my life. At that moment, I realized I had the power to change. So change is inevitable. Sometimes change is forced upon us, while other times we initiate it. How are you skilled at handling the need to shift course, whether it's brought on by external or internal forces? How do you feel when you step outside of your comfort zone? Are you terrified? Are you exhilarated? Are you lost? Now remember, comfort zones are relative. Every time you step into uncharted territory, sooner or later, you'll find some degree of comfort there. 
So don't settle in too deeply into this new comfort zone because it will soon be time to step out of it again. Now, when you're in a leadership position, others look at you for cues as to how they too might manage shifting tides and forge bravely ahead. What are the benefits of change? Well, here are just a few to consider. First of all, there's personal growth. Every time something changes, you have the opportunity to grow and learn not only about things, but also about yourself. There's also flexibility because change forces us to be flexible. You must be able to bend and shift to meet the new circumstances. And then situations improve. It may not look that way at first, but it's up to you to optimize that situation. Now, you probably didn't choose to be worse off than before, at least not for long hauls. So whenever the change was made by you, to you, or for you, get your big girl panties on and make improvements in your life. Now, there's also a time when your core values are tested and strengthened. So no matter what comes your way, your core values are what define you. So look at change as a way to reinforce them. You'll also become stronger. We all know the adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I found this to be true in my life. I've also have learned that being stronger sometimes means asking for help. And then opportunities will appear. Now, they may be what you had hoped for, or they may be things you never previously considered. But be open and remain curious about what opportunities this change will bring. Now, while change can be difficult, not changing can be fatal. And we probably all can name now defunct businesses that didn't adapt to the times or to change in consumer preferences. This applies as much to people as it does to companies. Now, I remember my father was a jeweler. He crafted very expensive pieces. And during the recession in the 80s, we all suggested that he bring in some less expensive pieces. They could still be unique, but they weren't going to cost a small fortune. And he was adamant that he didn't need to change. And you know the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So I mentioned that perhaps we could bring in some local designers, some new ones that were starting out and had great promise. Again, he declined. And so we stopped trying to show him how to change could be powerful. But in the end, his store closed. And he blamed everything except the power that he had to change. And by the way, the designer that I had spoken to that was just starting out, David Yerman. So as Socrates advised, the secret to change is to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. So are you currently in a position in your career that you know is not right for you, but you're overwhelmed and fear of the unknown is more than you can handle? If not, do you know someone else in that situation? So here's some steps to move through fear, overcome challenges, whether they're real or anticipated, and reach your new goals. The first is to brainstorm. What do you see yourself doing? Who are you doing it with? Do you know other people who created a company culture that inspires you? Don't limit your ideas. Envision what you desire and write it as if the future is already here. Next is create a plan. You have to have a plan, even if you're a solopreneur. Translate your list of ideas into concrete action steps. What are you going to do first? Who can you rely on to help you build what you already want to build? Are you starting a business? Are you looking for a job? Write everything down in your plan. And then remember to start with baby steps because Rome wasn't built in a day and neither will your business or your career. Start with one step then add another. Don't try to do everything at once because you will be overwhelmed. And when that happens, nothing else happens. And then take risks. Whether you're actively seeking a new job or starting a new business, you're going to need to take risks and accept that you'll need to leave your comfort zone to make things happen. And finally, get support. Don't do this alone. Surround yourself with positive people who can provide experience and wisdom and connections. As Helen Keller said, alone we could do so little, together we can do so much. And there's an old English proverb that sums this all up. Just when the caterpillar thought the world was over, it became a butterfly. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. And when we come back, you'll hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about change and moving forward. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we'll be right back. 
what happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the glass floor, seven essential qualities for women who lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense glass half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life. Uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. It's time for my first guest. I am so excited to have her here, Monique D. Monaco, who owns Coach Monique and Associates, who's a certified women-owned business and disability-owned business. She's multi-certified, internationally trained coach with 16 years of experience, and all of her work is based on brain science. That is interesting. Emotional intelligence and the psychology of happiness. She specializes in stress, anxiety, depression, and confidence issues. She's the author of Most People Don't Need a Therapist, They Just Need a Change. Her executive clients include national companies such as Mass Mutual, Chubb Insurance, Consult Energy, and CNX Resources. Her corporate clients seek her expertise in two primary areas, women's leadership and employee emotional well-being. When companies provide emotional well-being training, they see an ROI in the areas of fewer health insurance claims, reduced absenteeism, lower turnover rates, and fewer accidents and mistakes on the job. She's also trained in the GE Executive Assessment, considered the gold standard in leadership training. So welcome to the show, Monique. I am so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the discussion of the day, the power to change. What do you think about that when you hear it? Oh, when I work with clients with change, one of the things I talk about is the reason why so many people struggle with change is they focus on the behavior and they look at a behavior and they may even call it the problem behavior. And so by focusing on that behavior, oftentimes there's a lot of failure or people aren't meeting their goals or they're struggling. And I always say it's because there are no quote unquote problem behaviors. There are behaviors that are a problem. But anytime you want to make long-term sustainable change, whether it's overcoming an issue or an obstacle, or even reaching for a stretch goal, it has to start at the level of awareness. And as you increase your awareness, you become, information is power. So as you understand what's holding you back, what are the thoughts, beliefs, expectations, or maybe interpretations of past experiences that aren't serving you, that are driving the quote-unquote problem behaviors that need to be addressed. And as your awareness increases, it naturally and organically changes those behaviors. And when you change the behavior, that's how you create real change in your life, whether you're looking at your personal life and personal growth or professional life and professional growth for the individual as well as the organization. Okay. So why do most people consider change to be a negative when we both know that change can be pretty exciting? 
Well, I think so many people have a lot of negativity associated with change because they've not been successful or they've not been successful to the level in which they wanted to be successful. Because really, as a society, it doesn't matter if you're looking at professional change within organizations or individual change. Again, it's focusing on that behavior and not making the connection as to why the behavior is there or what the behavior may be serving that you're unaware of. I like to say for all of us, it's what you don't know that you don't know that runs the show because it's going unchallenged. And so because people associate it with struggle or difficulty or past mistakes, what they perceive as mistakes, it undermines their resiliency, for example. And then they get this idea that change is difficult or they want to control as many aspects of their life as they can. And they see change as a threat to that control. Okay, so in today's world, everything is about changing. We all know that you go to sleep and you come wake up in the morning and it's something totally different. So what's the biggest change you've had to make over the past few months? The biggest change I've had to make is I've always worked with clients all over the world. So I use programs such as Zoom individually and with small teams. I had always done a few webinars, but they were not a steady diet of them. And within a week of the quarantine, when everything hit, I really looked at my team and I said, you know, we specialize in change and leadership and stress, anxiety, and depression. And so there was never, there's never been a time in my life when people need support like they do now. And this is what we do. So if we can't be of service now, we're in the wrong business. And so we immediately started launching webinars almost daily. And that was a huge transition for me, just the technology around it and talking to people that I don't know, that maybe I'm not seeing. And so expanding on that was the biggest change for me. Okay. So where does mindset come in? So being intellectually curious is the biggest thing I think for mindset. If you can be open and curious about how something works and you can have the confidence in yourself that you can adapt, then that sets you up for success. And I know for me, like I'm not someone who particularly enjoys technology. So the first few webinars that I did, even though I'd done them before, but always for an audience that I knew. So just going public with these webinars every day, I had to really have an internal chat with myself, like this is new, exciting opportunity. And yes, you'll make mistakes, but you'll learn from those mistakes and you'll be better for it. Interesting. Okay. So as I told you before we came on air, um, that I was a snoop and I snooped all over your website. So tell me, what does it mean to unlock bold change? So what it means to unlock bold change is increase your awareness. So there are four core reasons, universal reasons for struggle. And I've worked with thousands of people all over the world. And these are true. And the four universal reasons for struggle are the belief that I'm not enough. And I would say about 97% of the world's population has that belief. Mm. And it stands to reason if you have the belief I'm not enough, consequences are inherent to life. Sometimes we'll see it with people who have most areas of their life together, but it's been the one thing that's dogged them all their lives. Maybe relationships or weight or money issues. The second core reason for struggle is the belief that what I want is not available to me, even if others can have it. And I'll share a little bit of a personal example about that. So I'm third generation of Hungarian immigrants. And my great-grandmother was literally purchased by my great-grandfather from her family. So she was brought here, not allowed to learn the language. She had 14 children who were not allowed to learn Hungarian. She never had any money or access to anything. She was a slave. 
And so all of my family to that point had been blue collar workers. Some had never really held viable jobs. And I got the message subtly and directly that people like us don't have a lot of money, don't know the right people, don't fly to go on vacation, don't buy new cars, those kinds of things. And while intellectually I didn't believe that, I was well into my 40s before I recognized that that belief was alive and well in me in some level. So that belief that what I want isn't available to me, even if others can have it, also very powerful. The third is the fear of rejection. So as a species, we're actually not that old, and it wasn't that long ago when being rejected from your tribe meant you were likely to perish. And when I'm talking with clients, they'll recognize maybe that something happened, a real or perceived slight, or maybe they don't get invited to a meeting or someone says something, and they'll recognize that my reaction to it is out of alignment with what really happened. And that's just your primal brain trying to keep you safe. And the fourth is the need for connection. So we're designed, wired, and built to be connected. So for example, if I don't know you and you don't know me and we pass each other on the street and you smile and I don't smile back, chances are that's a conscious choice because we're wired to be connected. So I like to say everyone has a pie with these four ingredients, the belief I'm not enough, the belief that what I want isn't available to me, even if others can have it, the fear of rejection and the need for connection. Everyone's pie is unique to them, but what is universally true is what you don't know that you don't know is running the show because it's going unchallenged. And so information is power. When you understand why you're feeling, thinking and feeling and behaving the way you are, that's the only time you're really empowered to make long-term sustainable change. Interesting. So I want to go back to one of the four, which I think they're all very important, and especially the one about not being enough, because I do believe that we all suffer from that. But the need for connection. Now, more than ever, people are saying they feel totally disconnected. And it's sometimes not in our power to change that, you know, with what's going on in the world today. Do you think that there is a connection fix, even by just going on Zoom, just seeing someone? How do we get back that need for connection? How do we get it so we, we feel not disconnected? Yes. So things like having Zoom happy hours or Zoom meetings with the family. I know during these two months of quarantine, we've had like four family birthdays as well as Easter and Mother's Day and all these things. And so we, in our family Sunday, whenever your birthday is, we always celebrate on that Sunday, for example. So we've made a real concerted effort to like one person will cook and deliver it to other people in the family. And then we sit down and we eat it lukewarm all together on Zoom. And everyone has talked about in the family how that's helped with connection. Also, the mind makes very little distinction about what's happening in real time and what's being vividly recalled. So when you think about times when you felt really connected and you reflect back on those experiences, the mind works in stories and pictures. And so it, the mind takes you back to that because the mind makes very little distinction about what's happening in real time and what's being vividly recalled. And unfortunately, for most people, when we're recalling things from the past, we tend to recall the things that elicit the negative emotions, the stress and duress or the feelings of loneliness. And so you can literally use your mind to help you feel connection by reflecting back on those times and the sights and the sounds and the feelings and emotions connected with them. Interesting. Interesting. Because I know that, you know, I have a lot of clients and when I even just say hello, they're like, oh my God, I feel so disconnected. Yeah. It's upsetting sometimes when you see people that are so disconnected that usually you would think they're, they've got it all going on. But 
Okay, so here's a question. You know, one of my favorite questions is always about women. Do you think that women have an easier time to change than men? Do you think men have an easier time than women? Or is it not gender specific at all? Well, I think universally for many people, change is just perceived as difficult. And if you perceive it as difficult, it's going to likely be more difficult for you. I think that's a really great question because I don't think there's a straight, clear answer. Because Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes women are better at change because we've had to adapt more. Women just typically are handling more facets of life. For example, if you have a family, if you have children and a career, you've just had to be adaptable. And that helps you, you know, practice makes perfect. So the more adaptable you are, the stronger that skill becomes. So I think in large part, it's easier for women to do that because we've just had to do it so much. But I Mm -hmm. think what I'm finding with what's going on with COVID and everything is what I'm finding is that so many women are discovering the bias that they have against themselves. So they're having these conversations. I actually read an article in Fortune from a woman who's a financial analyst who was talking about being pregnant during COVID. But in the article that she wrote, she talked about she and her husband are now both working from home. She has a seven-year-old stepson. They have a two-year-old together and she's pregnant. And there was just this throwaway sentence in the article about, well, my husband's not domestic. And she wasn't saying, you know, poor me, my husband's not domestic. She was just like, it was just a given that he's not domestic and oh well, but yet women don't see themselves the same way. Mm -hmm. The attitude Mm -hmm. is, well, I have to be to the extent they even think about it. I know I was in a very important meeting. There were five of us in the meeting and, and the woman I was in the meeting with, her husband is working from home. He's working a lot less than he typically would be. And she's working a lot more. And during this meeting, their two-year-old daughter came in, was crying, and she said, oh, you know, I have to get my little girl. She needs me. And after the meeting, I had a little chat with her, and I'm like, no, your little girl needed someone, but did she necessarily need you? And that's what I mean by the bias that women just Mm -hmm. automatically, without even thinking about it, and the ways in which sometimes that can undermine them and their goals. And it's not intentional, but if you're unaware of it, you're not doing anything about it. And I believe that when you said before about awareness, I think that if we're not aware of some of the things that we're doing and someone points it out, that's the first step. But I also know that sometimes when people point something out to you, you get defensive. Mm. Well, defensiveness is always a trigger that there's something there that you either feel that you're quote unquote guilty of or that it's somehow triggering you in some way. And oftentimes it's about not being enough. So I always tell clients, and and I do this for myself all the time, when you get triggered, you know, we want to retract and pull away. And so if you can get to that space where you get triggered, what is it that's being said that scares me? Am I afraid that it's true? Do I feel like I can't change? And in those four core reasons I talked about, like not being enough, it's always, always, always comes back to that. Are you feeling rejected? Mm -hmm. When you understand why you're experiencing what you're experiencing, It allows you to create some space and to evaluate that. So do you think that sometimes that happens because we are self-sabotaging because we're afraid of what the outcome can be, good or bad? I think it's that, but I also think that oftentimes people self-sabotage because they have fear of failure. And if I give it 100%, everything I have and I fail, there's a sense of I'm a failure, where if I don't quite give it 100%, right? then I've preserved the possibility of success in the future. And I think that happens a lot with self-sabotage. It's actually, it feels like to the extent that we're tuned into it, 
it feels like it's self-preservation, but it's actually the opposite. Yeah. I always hear that people are most times more afraid of succeeding than they are of failing. Right. Because when there's certain responsibility that comes with success, but there's also a belief, is it possible for me? I find with a lot of clients, they're doing everything within their physical capabilities to be successful and they're not having the outcomes that they should be or they think that they should be having. And what we recognize through the work is that there's a belief that it's not available to them. Maybe because of it's who they are or where they come from. Maybe they've done something in their past that they think is going to hinder them or make them less worthy. You know, there's the tangible things that people feel that they want, right? The career, the family, the home, the exotic vacation. But I find it's oftentimes the intangibles that Mm -hmm. I can be successful or that I'm lovable or that I can have confidence. And that's what really holds people back. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's shift just a little bit and let's talk about your book. Most people don't need a therapist. They just need a change. Talk about this book. Why did you write it? And tell us what we can find in this book and why we should be reading it now. I think it's so true. Obviously, that's why I titled the book as I did. And I will (laughs) tell you, I like to always have the caveat that I am pro-therapy. In my life coaching sector, about 75% of my clients have been in therapy or are currently in therapy not getting the results they need. And about 90% of inquiries I get, people have been in therapy or currently in therapy. So I wrote the book because I wanted to give people easy to learn, easy to use, immediately relevant tools and techniques to create real-time change. And in the third chapter of the book, it's all about thoughts. And in that chapter, I share my trademark delete-delete technique, which is really designed to help you shift negative thinking to positive thinking under any conditions. So I wanted the book for people to be able to read it cover to cover or just read a chapter and each chapter should stand alone to give you a powerful technique to create real change in your life. I love that. Love, love, love that. And I love delete, delete, delete. Do you want to tell us about where that came from and how people should use it? Because I told you when I spoke to you, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So the oldest form of education and communication is through storytelling. I trademarked the delete, delete technique first about 10 years ago. Because in technological times that we live in now, everyone's on keyboard and every keyboard has a delete button. And so we already have a story for what delete does. It just takes away information. So if you'd like, I can walk you through a quick technique just to help you understand the power of how the mind works in stories and pictures. Sure. So if you close your eyes, I'm going to give you a word. And all I want you to do is to pay attention to what your mind does with the word, and I'm going to hope you don't know what the word means. And the word is enophile. And just pay attention to what your mind is doing. And now I'm going to give you a phrase. And again, the phrase isn't important. It's what your mind does with the phrase. Lover of wine. Now, when I go through this exercise with clients, if someone doesn't know Latin, chances are they don't know what the word enophile means. It actually means lover of wine. So what they find is that their mind is kind of scrambling. Some people will even say they experience a little bit of duress because the mind can't attach a story or picture to it. But as soon as I say lover of wine, for some people, it might be a terrible message. Maybe dad was an alcoholic and wine was his beverage of choice. Or maybe you get a really positive story and picture of a romantic trip through Italy's wine country. But regardless, as soon as I give you the phrase, your mind makes sense of it. So that's why I named the technique the delete-delete. Your mind is already fertile for what comes next. And the delete-delete technique does two powerful things. 
The first thing it does is it raises your awareness about your thought patterns because you can't do something about something you're unaware of. So the average person is having about 65,000 thoughts a day. And I know when I first heard that, I thought, no way, like I'm not smart enough to think 65,000 things, (laughs) right? But when you take out those conscious thoughts that help you get you through your day, the second and third tier thoughts are typically not brandy new thoughts, but they're simply repetitive thoughts that you had yesterday, last week, last year, oftentimes all your life, and often are not even your own original thoughts. But those thoughts are like gravity. It doesn't matter if you're aware of them or not, they impact you. So like I said, the key to unlocking bold change is awareness. So it's going to help you become more aware of your thought patterns. And the second thing it allows you to do is to make gentle, non-judgmental correction. And this is how it works. Anytime you recognize that you've had a negative thought or you've said something negative, at the point you become aware of it, you simply say out loud or to yourself, delete, delete, and you replace it with a positive. The only caveat is that positive must be believable to you. So let me just give you an example. You probably wouldn't be doing this today, but saying you're sitting in traffic and you're going to be late. I would never tell you if you are literally going to be late to say, delete, delete, I'm going to be on time because that would be a lie. Rather than stressing out about being late, saying, delete, delete, I'm doing the best I can, which you are. So to help you understand the power of that, again, just close your eyes. And I want you to think about something that's mildly distressing, but not terrible. And take note as to where and how you experience that in your body. And then I want you to just open your eyes, take a deep breath, shrug your shoulders. Know that I would never leave you with a negative. And now I want you to close your eyes again and focus on a really positive experience. It can be the face of a loved one or an accomplishment, whatever you want it to be. And the important thing is to take note of how and where you experience this in your body. And so the delete to lead technique is to help you cut through that negative thinking because all of our lives, even before we were born, every moment of our lives, there are billions of neurons wiring and firing in our brain. And Hebb's law tells us that what fires together wires together. So the more you engage in a thought, a belief, an expectation, and maybe most importantly, an interpretation of past experience, the more you are wiring your brain literally to have that thought and other thoughts like it because like attracts like. And for so many people, they're focusing on those negative things. And the delete delete technique is meant to just, it goes away. When you hit the delete delete button on your computer, you don't get a message, but my mother said it's true. What if I need it later? It just goes away. So your mind is already primed for that. And now what you're doing is you're creating new neuropathways for more positive, honestly, more honest thoughts. And I'll share an example. I was working with an exec, a woman executive in leadership, and typically we met in the afternoon. But on this particular day, we were meeting first thing in the morning. And she was usually very buttoned up, organized, all business. And this particular morning, she seemed just not like herself, a little bit frazzled. So it came up in the conversation. And what she said to me was that she's always focusing on being late. She said, from the time her alarm goes off at five in the morning until she gets to her desk at about 8.30, her first thought and her consistent thought is, I'm going to be late. And this year, her daughter had started kindergarten. And now she's dropping her daughter off at school many days, crying and upset. And it's been a really difficult morning. So I remember it was January because the school year was about half over. So I asked her, you know, part of coaching is just asking the powerful questions. And Mm -hmm. I said to her, well, how many times has your daughter been late for school? And she looked at me almost a little indignant and said, never. I said, okay. I said, well, how many times have you been late for work? 
And she said, I was late once, but the road was closed. So everyone was late. It was important for her, for me to understand that that meant, you know, it wasn't her fault. And so again, I asked her a powerful question. I said, are you in the habit of lying to others in the same way that you lie to yourself? And one of the beauties of my work is getting to watch people have a light bulb moment almost every day. And that just clicked for her, that she's telling herself and now telling her daughter the story that's creating stress and duress. And I'm no math whiz, so let's just say it's three hours a day, five days a week. That's 15 hours a week, almost the equivalent to a full waking day Mm -hmm. that she's lying to herself and creating all these issues. So the next morning she texted me and she said, you know, I use my delete, delete. It has transformed the mornings. You know, I dropped my daughter off this morning. She was happy. I got to work. I'm so much more relaxed. That's the power of the delete, delete technique. Love, love, love it. Love it. Okay. So tell our listeners, where can they find you? Where can they link in with you and connect with you and whatever else there is? Because there's so much more to you than we will have time for. So if you text the word unlock to 66866, you will get a link to my four universal core reasons for struggle that we covered here in the program today, as well as resources for other things such as I'm going to share chapter three on change your thoughts, change your life with your listeners. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to text you. (laughs) Okay. So what's next for you? So what's next for me? What I have learned through this whole quarantine thing and change in businesses that I am loving the webinars. I'm loving the technology that surrounds them. And so moving forward, I have a physical office and I meet with executive clients in their space typically, but I'm probably going to transition to working one day a week from home in scheduling my webinars and scheduling more things like that, which is a significant change for me. And if you would have said to me 12 weeks ago, this is something you're going to be doing, I would have thought, "Mm, I don't think so. I'm not that in love with technology, but now I am. Well, I read something today that said, so this certainly didn't work out. Nobody told the truth when they said where they would be in five years from now in 2015. Well, that is true. That is certainly true. Yeah. Well, Monique, I want to thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. You are amazing. And I love Delete Delete and so much more. So I'm excited that we're connected and look forward to creating some new adventures together. Well, thank you so much for having me and you have a wonderful day. You too. And I want to leave everyone with this quote by C.S. Lewis, who says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. And make sure you stay connected with us. And remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.